Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. In this episode, you'll hear Director of Education and Training, Andy Yanoni, in conversation with ballet master Betsy Erickson. This episode was recorded on Saturday, February 1st, 2020, following a performance of Christopher Wielden's Cinderella. Hope you enjoy. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist interview series. This is the post-show edition, so thank you. Come on in. Um, I brought my golden slipper with me today. I'm Andy Yanoni, Director of Education and Training here at the Ballet, and I'm so thrilled to welcome with us today Betsy Erickson from the Ballet's artistic team. Before we get started, I'd like to remind everyone that the Meet the Artist interviews are recorded for podcasts and are available on your favorite podcast app. Also, San Francisco Ballet offers a host of opportunities for audiences to learn more about ballet, including ballet classes for adults. In particular, there are many blogs and videos about Cinderella that will provide additional insight into the creative process and the artists. So please visit our website for more information. All right. Hi, Betsy. Hi, Andy. To start, I'd like to add my congratulations to the host of congratulations for you and Anita, who were recognized as Christian Society uh, honorees at SF Ballet's annual Chairman's Council dinner this past November. So let's give Thank you. Betsy a big round of applause. Your work as a dancer and ballet master has spanned a few decades. Please tell us about your journey to San Francisco Ballet, maybe starting from your time in the school. Yes, I received one of the first Ford Foundation scholarships to the school, um, and I was also attending college at the time, which is um, something that I cherish, that I had two years of college uh, before joining the company as a company member. And I received a Ford Foundation scholarship to um, the school, and then later in the next year joined the company, and that was in 1964 when I joined the company. And my first performance with the company was at Stern Grove, which is still such a wonderful place to see ballet. That was in 1964 in August. Wow. And then tell us about your journey. After that, you were artistic director of a company in Bogota. Is that correct? Uh, after joining the company in San Francisco, I went to New York and joined American Ballet Theater from 1967 to 1972. And then I came back to San Francisco and rejoined the company in 72 until I retired in 1984. And I did, uh, through a chain of events, direct a company in Bogota, Colombia for a couple of years. Uh, and it had to do with my association uh, and friendship with one of the conductors in American Ballet Theater. He and his wife moved back to Colombia. I happened to go there to visit them, started teaching classes there, and then was invited by the cultural minister to form a ballet company and to be the artistic director of the ballet in Bogota, Colombia. 
And I understand it's because of you that perhaps two artists of the company and former school students and now part of the artistic staff are with us. That's right. Uh, Felipe Diaz was uh, the son of the owner of a ballet studio where I was teaching, and he was, I think, 12 years old at the time. And um, so his mother said, when he is of age to travel, uh, would you help him get, have the opportunity to come to San Francisco and take classes and study in the school, which I did. Uh, he was still quite young, but he lived in the ballet house at that time, uh, a residence, and uh, later joined uh, the company, and the rest is history. He's a ballet master here now. The same with Ricardo Bustamante. Some years after I had directed the company in Bogota, we went on a tour um, in Colombia, and Ricardo was one of the dancers who came to audition and just kind of breathe in the artistic and creative process uh, with us. He took classes with us and was later joined, uh, asked to join the company after a short time in the school. So he also went through the school. That's fun. That's so fantastic. Okay. We're all here today, obviously, because we love Cinderella. What a fabulous performance today. Uh, so let's dive into it. It's a co-production with Dutch National Ballet. And I'll remind everyone of the creative team. So we have choreographer Christopher Wielden uh, with his assistant, Jacqueline Barrett. The score, of course, is by uh, Prokofiev. Craig Lucas is the librettist. Sets and Costumes by Julian Crouch with scenic associate Fra Frank McCullough. Natasha Katz is the lighting designer, Basil Twist puppeteer, and pr production design by Daniel Brody. So what's a co-production and how does the creative process differ from a ballet that is solely created on San Francisco Ballet? Well, this was kind of a unique co-production in that um, a great deal of the choreography was done here, and a great deal of the choreography was done in Amsterdam for Dutch, Dutch National, um, which made it a little bit tricky, but also made it very much a shared production. Uh, the costumes and scenic designs were all constructed in Amsterdam uh, and brought here. The choreography was done more or less equally between the two companies, and some of their principal dancers came here, and some of our principal dancers went there. So it was a real exchange. It was really a very exciting and very creative time because so many people were involved in the creative process. And we were fortunate that Basil Twist, who is the puppeteer who did a lot of the sort of special effects and um, the carriage, the wonderful carriage, uh, is from the Bay Area. So he was able to spend a lot of time here creating the carriage, uh, experimenting, actually, um, because nothing like that had been done before. And so it was, it was a wonderful creative process that went on in our ballet studios that are just across the street. So with... With the cross-continental uh, creation process, how does the artistic team 
divide up responsibility so that you are sure you're getting everything you need from something that may have happened in Amsterdam and vice versa. So how, how does that work? Well, Christopher's assistant, uh, Jackie, came here to teach us a great deal of what he had created in Amsterdam. Also, Bruce Sampson, who was a ballet master here, went over there to learn and brought it back here. And then what was created here was taken from here over to Amsterdam. So we had this kind of exchange of information. Um, it, it was just a very, it was a complex process, but it was a very creative one and a very collaborative one. And which parts of Cinderella are you responsible for? Uh, just about all the great, the big crowd scenes, um, the servants, the armor men who move the big pillars, uh, the growing tree in the beginning, uh, some of the creatures in the forest, the birds, for instance, all of the courtiers who are dancing throughout second act, uh, the shoe scene, which is in the front of the curtain at the beginning of third act, and the wedding scene, which closes the ballet. That sounds like a lot, Betsy. <laughs> it, it is a lot. It's a lot to pull together, and it requires a lot of dancers to do that. I know that one of the questions folks have has to do with notation. Now, how do you keep it all straight, especially with um, so much action taking place um, on stage, behind stage, in Amsterdam, and so forth? Well, I have a system of my own of notation. I don't use any of the formal uh, Benish or Laban notation systems, which you actually have to go to school to learn. Uh, I use my own form of notation, and it's usually musically based by the phrase, the musical phrase. And, and then I just chart out kind of like a overall picture of where people are, especially when there's a big group. At any one time, I know where they are and how they cross with somebody else on stage so we hopefully don't have collisions. I didn't see any collisions. No. Did you? There, no, there weren't collisions today, no. <laughs> so what is the process um, when the ballet is then revived for a subsequent season? Is that different than what happens during the initial creation process? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, when we revive it from year to year, which we've done a couple of times now, um, it's just a matter of reviewing it, reteaching it for people who haven't done it before to teach them the choreography. But it's already a known entity, so we know what we're dealing with. When you're in the creative process, you never know what's going to occur. And... Um, that makes it so exciting and so challenging. But once a ballet is done, we know what it looks like. We know how many people it takes. We, I know approximately how long it'll take to teach uh, various sections, hour by hour. Fantastic. So uh, you mentioned that Basil Twist is from the Bay Area. Nahaya had read that as a child he came to 
uh, our nutcracker and really loved the growing tree. And so now in Cinderella, part of what he created was the growing tree. And can you tell us a little bit about that without giving away too much of the magic? But how, how does that work? The growing tree is, is actually, it's one of the things that I do, and it's really special, and it only takes four-eighths of music to grow from the little, um, you see the little branches coming up, and then you see it opening up, and it takes uh, two guys with the trunk, four ladies with branches, and then four men with, on a stick, um, leaves, like clusters of leaves, that are black on one side, and when they turn, they're green on the other. And it's just a slow process. Uh, we have to really rehearse it to create that illusion. And everyone is dressed in what we call a ninja outfit. It's all in black with a black hood, black everything, gloves and everything, so that you only see what you're meant to see. And it's done behind a scrim and... Uh, the light catches the branches and the tree leaves, and you don't see anything else, hopefully. So it's the illusion of the tree growing. It's really quite brilliant, and um, uh, it's a very short moment, but I think it, it's very effective. Then the tree is larger when it's meet, we call it meet the family. That's when Cinderella meets the stepsisters and the stepmother. It's kind of medium height. And then after the kitchen scene, it's full height. And that's the full tree, which uh, can shift. The branches can shift in levels. And they're flat. And projected on the leaves is a projection of the tree on the tree. So it gives it that feeling of moving and growing. It's, it's really quite beautiful. And um, when Cinderella is at the base of the tree crying, what is that symbolizing? Uh, when, it, when she's a little girl, she's crying at her mother's grave, and the te her tears cause the tree to grow. She's watering the tree, I guess you'd say. Um, and so it's a memory of her mother. So that tree becomes the memory of her mother. That, that's, um, it's very poignant and just such a beautiful effect. So you're also responsible for the servants and the armor men, as right, you called them. Right. And what are the particular challenges of those characters on stage who are responsible for moving scenery? Yes, they're, they're responsible for moving the big pillars that you see, and they're quite large and they're quite heavy. And there's a sort of ingenious method of kind of a hydraulic um, compressed air. They roll on rollers, but they also are lifted up by compressed air, so they more or less float. And then when they're in place, and we have little, we call them spike marks, which are little tape marks on the stage for each corner so that they know where to push them. Then there's a little lever that's pushed down, and the pillar goes, and it goes down onto the floor. So it's very stable. And then when they want to move it again, they have to raise the lever, and the hydraulic system takes over. They're very, very heavy, and 
um, they're not easy to push without that system. So that's, that's built in. Yeah, and you had mentioned that there was a particular uh, challenge when we were simultaneously rehearsing for gala and the opening of Cinderella, and it has to do with the number of um, layers of Marley that are on stage. Can you talk a bit about how the Marley has changed out and what challenge that posed? Yes, the Cinderella has two different floors. There's a blue floor that's used in the first act and the third act. And then there's the palace floor, which is kind of an orange-red that's used only in the second act. And when we were rehearsing the gala, we had a third layer of floor because we were changing back and forth. There were so many layers of barley that um, the wheels actually were sinking in to the marley, which is like a linoleum with a, a sort of a cushioned backing, and the wheels were sinking in, and then we couldn't push the pillars, and they would get to a certain point, and they would stick, and then the top would go like that, and then get upright, and we almost knocked them over a couple of times. So it became... It, it, we knew that it would work when we only had two layers of floors, but when we had three layers of floors, it was uh, too much to move. You don't think about those things when you are, I don't know, I, I haven't thought about the number of layers of floors. The logistics of, oh. yeah, a production like this, yeah. yeah. So in this production, um, you're also responsible for the creatures and um, the, the folks in the big heads. So can you talk a little bit about those costumes? That must be a, a, just a difficult situation. It is. Um, the costumes, uh, the birds, the what we call nutheads, which are the guys with kind of long fingers or roots, and then the really big heads, we call those big heads. Um, they can barely see out from those um, masks, I guess you'd call them. They're very hard to see, and the big heads especially are very heavy. So the challenge is being able to move, find where you are on the stage, not bump into anybody, and be able to do the choreography at the same time. So the, those are challenging uh, parts, and the dancers, they do it really well, but it took a bit of practice. I bet. And then the shoe dance. That is one of my favorite parts when everyone is in front of the curtain and trying on their slipper to see who fits. Uh, can you talk a bit about that? That's at the beginning of third act, and that's probably one of the most um, difficult things for dancers to learn because the sequence is it's very fast. The sequence is complicated. Um, it involves turning your head and moving your feet. It doesn't look that hard, and most of the time you're focusing on that corner where the prince is and where Benjamin is, and they're trying on the shoe. But in the meantime, everyone is doing this, hopefully, uh, synchronized dance. And then one of the biggest challenges is moving from chair to chair. The ladies have big dresses on, so they have to gather up their dress in order to move from chair to chair. If they don't, the person next to them will sit on their dress, and then they can't move. So <laughs> it's, it's a really challenging dance to do, and uh, it looks simple, but it's not. And it's so fun. Don't you agree? It's fun to look at, yeah. It really is.
That's super fun. All right. I think we can move to some audience questions unless there's something else you want to talk about before we do so. Oh, yes. Did anyone see Christopher Wielden on stage? (laughs) Not on stage, but his portrait. It was up on this side in a square frame, and it's in the, we call it the portrait scene, when the pictures of the princesses are there and um, the family is pointing out each princess. His photo is actually in one of the frames, and he looks, he's one of the ones that changes his head to look down. He has a beard (laughs) and a, a headdress and a, like you see the, neck of a dress like ruffles on. That's Christopher Wielden. He's part of that scene as is Jackie his assistant. She's in one of the smaller pictures right in the middle. But I think you wouldn't know if you didn't know to look for it. But they're there looking down on us. Well that's that's really uh, fun. Any any other tidbits like that? Can't think of any. Okay. No. <laughs> Audience, do you have any questions? How do you work with the choreographer, with the choreography, and in particular because you're not creating the steps? That's right. I'm not creating it. I'm learning it actually from the choreographer or from his assistant at the time that it's being created or in this case, some of the information brought to us. So I learn it. I learn everybody's part that I'm in charge of. And then it's my responsibility to maintain that choreography uh, musically and stylistically and then teach it to whoever needs to learn it. She was speaking in particular about uh, maneuvering around stage pieces, set pieces. Is that correct? Um, That was when we initially did it, um, that was taught to us by one of the assistants. And then we just uh, accordingly rehearse it. We, We always have like 15 minutes before we start our first stage rehearsal just to move scenery around so that the dancers who are in charge of that know where and how to move it. They have to be taught the hydraulic system and how to push the pillars and the scenery. And sometimes they have to, uh, like, take chairs on and off stage. So although it may look um, more um, casual, it's actually very much rehearsed, everything. It is. Yeah, everything has to be rehearsed because it has to move in a timely way and... Um, either get out of the way or in the case of like the couch coming on um, onto the stage. It's all set very carefully musically. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Any other questions? Yeah. So the question has to do with after the chair scene, when they uh, start to rise, how does our production team assure that they don't get all tangled up? Uh, They're all on wires, and if you notice, from where they're set on the floor in front of the scrim, um, they get pulled back a bit before they rise up. And we've had times when, for whatever reason, the chairs won't stop spinning. 
they they have never really um, they go back and they go up so they they don't necessarily swing but a lot of times they start to spin and it ta- I don't know what the guys do to make that work out but I know there's a I see them there uh, before the beginning of Act Three, and they're attaching the wire to the back of the chair, and they have a special system of how the wires are attached. It's absolutely beautiful, I think, because it frames the stage. Uh, it does take a long time for them to stop moving, but um, I don't recall that we've ever had. Shouldn't say that. Uh, chairs tangling. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we've had that happen. And how many stage crew do you know are responsible for those chairs? Do you have any idea? I, no, I don't. Uh, we have a big crew for Cinderella because it requires a tremendous amount of scenery and props and things like that. We have a huge crew to make all of that magic happen. Great. Another question? Let me just see. I'm going to go over here. How much time do you end up having with dancers to rehearse the various parts of what you're responsible for, for example? Uh, In the studio, we have pillars that are half the size and don't weigh anything because they're made out of plywood to move around just to give the guys who move them an idea of how much time they have and and basically where they need to go. And we rehearsed that in the studio. Um, This year I had very little time. I tried to accomplish all that in an hour and a half. When I got to the stage, I had 15 minutes to actually have the guys try the hydraulic system, move the pillars, find the spike marks, and then move them to the next. Um, And so that was a really, really short amount of time. We spent two weeks putting Cinderella together in, I think it was September, and then we had to revisit it very recently because it opened the season. Uh, Two weeks is not really quite enough time to finish to do a full three-act ballet. Two weeks is is, uh, cutting it too close. And we hadn't finished Act 3, so we had to do all of that um, just recently. Uh, is the piece of pottery that the, the um, maid drops, is it a new piece every show, or how does that work? It's not a new piece every show. No, we have two of them. Uh, we have a backup one in case there's a problem. Uh, they have tiny magnets that hold them together, and then they use a little little drops of um, like a glue gun to just hold it a little bit more together so that it'll actually break into those same pieces every single time so the servant knows, you know, what he's dealing with to put it all in the dustbin and carry it off. Um, so it, the cracks are permanent, the magnets are permanent, and then the glue gun happens each time. All right. And I'm telling the, the secrets the, here. Yes. That's a great question. So when you use your own system to notate the choreography or staging, is there a risk that someone won't understand your notes for the next time? 
Yeah, that, that could be a problem. Uh, <laughs> I, um, I generally pass on the information. Uh, my notation is probably only legible to me because I use a lot of shortcuts like a shorthand. Um, and if I need to teach it to someone else, like we had a system of sharing notes between Amsterdam and San Francisco, and so then I would write out in a more legible form so that they could understand uh, what was going on. So, yeah, it's not, it's like a foreign language, I would think, for anyone to try to read. All right, I think we have time for one last question. Way in the back, and please speak uh, very loudly. Ah, so we were, the question has to do with the stepsisters who are treated sympathetically. And I think that's a good um, entree into really talking about the libretto and how that was maybe co-developed between um, Christopher uh, Wielden and the librettist. That I, I don't really know that much about. Um, yes, the stepsisters are not all that bad. They're not all that evil. You hear about the evil stepsisters. Um, and the stepmother, you know, there's a moment at the end when Cinderella goes and kisses her, and she sort of breaks down crying like, I, I wasn't so kind to you after all. Um, there's a kind of a... Uh, realization and kind of a resolve in that. And Edwina, who thinks that she should get the prince, and she doesn't. But um, it seems like every, all is forgiven at the end, and I don't, I don't think it's quite as evil as a lot of the other interpretations of Cinderella. All right. Well, I think that brings our MTA to a close. And uh, Betsy, thank you so much. Yeah, pleasure. And thanks to all of you for joining us. If you're going out into the world today to celebrate Lunar New Year, happy new Lunar New Year. And please enjoy the rest of your uh, evening. And we look forward to seeing you at the ballet during the rest of the season. Thank you. Thanks for listening to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. For more podcasts and other audience engagement programs, check out sfballet.org or your favorite podcast player.